This Week in Animation. Extra, extra, read all about it. We got a lot of headlines to run down, people, so let's get to it. Right after these ads, we have no control over. Sing along if you know the words. A one, two, three, it's time for animation deliberation. A conversation and a celebration of our favorite action animated series. Yeah! Yeah! Welcome back to another episode of Animation Deliberation, the podcast where we take action animation and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. We're your hosts. I'm Zuhair Ali. And I'm Jay Scotty St. Clair. And I don't know if you guys are feeling it, but the content overload is there, and we're loving every second of it. There's so much <laughs> stuff to watch that we don't have enough time, but it's just such a beautiful thing to just have so many diverse things, and we are not short of any news this week. Yeah, June has, uh, we we often talk about how January is when we have like the just overhaul of content, but June this year has had so much. Yeah. It's been great though. Especially with um, like a lot of these big titles hitting the theaters again and like somewhat of an excitement for theaters reemerging again. It's like now we actually have to find the time to go out. Yeah. Yeah, and I think some of these stories that we're going to talk about speak to it. But, like, yeah, as much as there's, like, a resurgence in people's excitement to go to the theaters, there's a lot of competition at the box office right now. We have some winners, and we have some losers. And let's hear about some of these winners and losers. So, first story on the docket, Elemental has had a disappointing debut at the box office in its three-day opening weekend, premiering to $29.5 Spider-Verse, on the other hand, continues to hold strong, having crossed $500 million at the global box office. Yeah, Pixar is two for two with their summer duds here after, you know, light year last year. And I went and saw Elemental on its opening weekend. It was one that I was relatively uh, excited for. But I do think they kind of failed on the marketing front. Um, I think another symptom here is that people have become more and more accustomed to just accepting that they're going to get these Pixar films on Disney plus sooner rather than later. And especially considering that Pixar tends to target family audiences, it's pretty expensive to take, you know, the whole family, especially if you've got multiple kids out to the theater to catch this thing. So uh, in my showing, it was a surprisingly full theater, especially looking at these numbers and how, like disappointing this is I, I i did some research and saw like this is far and away the lowest opening for pixar period the only film that technically opened lower was that first toy story but when you adjust it for inflation it basically did double what mm. what elemental did here so uh, i thought it was a decent movie but it just didn't have that it factor that would have driven like word of mouth and made people like come out in droves so it's it's disappointing and hopefully Pixar can turn it around. It's sad to hear because Pixar used to be like it was just prime movies all the time. Like they could do no wrong. But then when we had Haley Hobbs on our show to talk about the Flash earlier this week, we were just kind of talking off air about Pixar. It's like the last movie that we were genuinely enjoying was like Soul. Yeah. Which is like yeah. three years ago, and that was still like mixed reviews. So like they haven't been yeah. hitting for a while, which is really sad to say. So it's like I hope they find some way that we can still find see the bouncing lamp, whether it be, you know, just a Disney Plus thing or they just kind of slow down and recalibrate. But sure, it's it's just sad to see something that we grew up with just not do so hot. Yeah, yeah, it is sad. But on the other side, I mean, Spider-Verse. Yeah, that's 
that's one that it's great to see that success. And like, I think that movie deserves all the success it's getting. Oh, and it's, wow. it's funny. I was in a YouTube comment section. It was, a, I'm going to digress here, but it was a YouTube <laughs> video that was talking about secret invasion and minor, minor spoilers for secret invasion, but they use AI to generate the opening yeah. sequences there. And that's caused a lot of backlash for people. But in this YouTube, like live chat, this guy said that he just, he enjoyed the flash more than he enjoyed across the spider verse. And like, he just said he did not enjoy across the spider verse. And I told him like, interesting, I'm genuinely feel bad for you because like, <laughs> that was such a good time in the theater. If you didn't enjoy that, like, I just feel bad for you that you're robbed of that <laughs> experience. <laughs> yeah. It's one thing if you have a preference of one movie, being better than the other, but to say that you enjoyed the flash and didn't enjoy spider verse is like, how? Yeah. <laughs> you must really hate animation, which we know a couple people who are like that. <laughs> don't listen to the show, but <laughs> hey, you do you, but I, I still feel bad for you. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. You're missing out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. In a more alarming and controversial headline here, mm. We had voice actor Laura Post, who has appeared in many anime dubs, including Demon Slayer, says Crunchyroll blocked her and any other voice actors from the Tower of God dub from appearing in the new video game adaptation, claiming they own rights to the voice prints. According to Post, she had multiple lawyers review her contract, but there's nothing that should bar her from appearing in the games. She alleges this speaks to Crunchyroll's controversial opposition toward voice actor unions as Kyle McCarley who played Mob on Mob Psycho, Mob Psycho 100 rather, also claims that he was replaced be because he wanted Crunchyroll to have a meeting about unions. That's just sad. Like, voice actors are what push your content platform. Like, first off, fix your damn app because it's awful. And second, like, that's just disrespectful. Like, the the life that they put into these characters like these shows would as incredible as the animation is the life that these people put into these characters comes from their voices and if you have an opportunity to share that life in multiple platforms whether you get something out of it or not like who are you to stand in the way of that like you're bringing more attention if somebody's more of a gamer than an anime watcher and they enjoy that experience, like they're coming back to your platform. Sure. So the dis the disrespect is just off the charts. Yeah, it comes across as incredibly tone deaf to me because, like, voice acting and acting, like, there's a reason that they have these unions is to protect them because their work is not always consistent. And we see it right now with like the writer's strike, just like seeing the backlash that's happening there. Just it seems like Crunchyroll lacks um, a lot of awareness and like maybe they didn't expect the voice actor to come out and come forward with this information but it definitely puts them in a bad light and they basically wouldn't have anything yeah i mean the original japanese animes are there for people to enjoy but i i have to imagine like Crunchyroll's made a majority of their success bringing these these animes overseas and like the the voice actors that provide the American dubs or, or English dubs, whatever you want to call it. Like they are kind of like the soldiers on the front line for them in, in terms mm -hmm. of being able to like, you know, deliver this content. So they should definitely treat them better. And 
why bar them from opportunities to get more work? Like, what does it really do to you? Like, it just creates more synergy if there's a video game about the anime that you're having on your streaming service. Like, just really doesn't make sense to me. Especially if you have a series that's still in continuation. Like, wouldn't you want them to have the practice and the reputation of there. working on those characters that's coming in? Like, I know people have mixed thoughts about subs versus dubs. At the end of the day, good content is good content. But this is the opportunity for these new upcoming English voice actors to provide something that could like set a standard for wanting to watch English dub, even though it is comparing or in competing with the original Japanese, but it's yeah, there's nothing more to add. And it's just kind of like, why would you rob them of opportunities to be better that they could bring back to your service? Yeah. I couldn't, couldn't have said it better myself. So, Oh, well, staying with the anime realm rumors are circling that chainsaw man's second season is in the works and a movie is also being developed. Yeah, gotta maintain that none of this is confirmed. These are still just rumors, but I really sincerely hope that these rumors are true. Uh, we did have the little bit of backlash from the sector of the uh, the manga fandom that did not think that first season was an accurate uh, adaptation or portrayal of the tone of Chainsaw Man, but I really loved that first season. Yeah. It was so unique and so stylistically divergent from anything else. It just... The visualization was interesting. The characters were interesting. It was hyper violent and kind of gross out at times, but it was also <laughs> hilarious and had a riveting story. So uh, I really hope a new season is in the works. And if there's a movie also being adapted, if it's anything like we, the movies we've seen from a lot of other series, is if it's an opportunity to flesh out uh, some of these characters that I've already started to fall in love with, like uh, maybe Power or the Future Devil that we just got that little bit of taste of, or maybe one of the uh, characters that passed away in that first season because we had a, a pretty high death yeah. toll. If we could go back and spend more time with some of those characters, like I'm all, I'm all on board for any of that. Yeah, I'm forgetting the name of the person with the eye patch, but I definitely really was enjoying that character. So to see her, I guess, spoilers, go away real quick. <laughs> Sorry. Retroactive spoilers. <laughs> To, to see her go away so quick was definitely disappointing. By the way, there was a lot of power cosplays at AwesomeCon. Oh, nice. Some were pretty cool. Some were disturbing. And <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. But the fandom is there. And if we can see some more incredible content on the big screen, we are 100% down with it. MAPPA has been doing a great job, except for the sad um, ability to communicate for Attack on Titan. But outside of that, anything they've been putting out is gold. So bring it on. Right on, right there with you. All right. Uh, not moving entirely away from anime, kind of uh, tangential to anime here. We had Netflix's Tudum presentation included first looks at both the One Piece and Avatar The Last Airbender live action adaptations. Uh, Black Clover released exclusively on Netflix. And Zoo has some thoughts about that. Yeah, so for Black Clover real quick, like we had a hype episode that came out last week. We had Brian B. Klein come on to talk about that. Uh, I watched the movie last night. I was pretty whelmed with it, but we are going to cover it. My quick thoughts are just kind of like they wanted to have an action movie with the biggest characters and just like kind of threw in a, a whatever story just to be able to do that. Sure. Uh, so story wasn't the hottest, but it was a fun movie. Okay. In regards to the other content that Netflix announced, uh, One Piece is the last one of the big three that I haven't watched yet, and it's because they have a million episodes, and I don't have mm -hmm. the time to dedicate to that without getting distracted. 
So this is more of a call to action. If you guys were fans of One Piece and fans of this depiction, this live action depiction, like what what did you think? We want to hear about it. Please send us feedback. Animation Deliberation anywhere on your social media. Animation Deliberation Podcast at gmail.com if you want to email us. Uh, even if you want to give us uh, and a minute and record your voice for one minute, like, we'd be happy to play that. Uh, in regards to the past projects, Death Note was a good one-time watch. Attack on Titan, I started and I turned off right away. So they're not on the strongest suit for these anime adaptations. And as an animation podcast, we want to see more animated stuff. Sure. So, yes, there's been a lot of stuff that we've been covering, like The Flash and Little Mermaid, where we've been comparing these depictions. But, like, I'm hesitant to see where this one goes. In regards to Avatar, that's another one where it's like there is so much storytelling. There's so much universe building that we still could be doing with our core people that why are we redoing the story as live action when we could be doing more animation to highlight those people and highlight those stories? When I saw the still shots, I was like, all right, it is what it is. Like, I'll just kind of see the show when it comes out. But when somebody sent me a clip, She's been trying to get a shout out. So Bioshaw, thank you for sending me this clip of the guy who's playing Aang when uh-huh. he was hyping up the crowd and talking about how excited he is to bring in new Avatar fans and honor the old ones. and yada, yada. His charisma and his delivery and the way that he hyped people up to show the still images, I'm that gave me optimism towards his acting performance i don't know if it's gonna say much for the rest of the crew or anything else so it's like i will watch it because it's avatar content but i have my guard up yeah i don't have too much to add on onto this one but i i think it's tough not to go in with some you know a healthy dose of hesitation or some reservations especially like considering like for one piece i don't have that connection to it like you have been uh, aware of it but it seems like such a daunting task to like go yeah. back and watch all those episodes but I, i'm i'm vaguely f- yeah yeah i'm, I'm vaguely <laughs> familiar with it i know the character of luffy so when i saw the still of the the guy that's playing luffy i was like okay i mean that's that's good casting at least on like appearances alone i was able to recognize the character and i thought it looked looked good but it, it you know i i can't shake the fact that that cowboy bebop uh adaptation came out and like that one looked like it was finally going to mm-hmm. to be the one to do it, and it it didn't, unfortunately. Yeah. So it's it's tough not to be scared about that. And then Avatar, uh, there's a you know Avatar has a storied past when it comes to live action adaptation, and some people don't even acknowledge the fact that there was a previous live action adapta- adaptation. So I will uh, yeah, do my wasn't. best. What are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> yeah, this it's is a little... new show. Why are you lying to the people? Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm from a <laughs> I'm from a, another timeline where that one was <laughs> that one was pruned, but uh, no, I, I I think they can only go up from there, and uh, yeah, hopefully hopefully it delivers what all the fans are looking for. It sounds like it could be promising. Fingers crossed. All right, now we fully move away from anime, and we're still in the live action adaptation realm. Though Bambi is the next Disney classic being developed for a live action remake with Sarah Poli. Uh, the 2023 Oscar winner for Best Adapted Screenplay is in talks to direct. I'm not blown away by the news. It's just the next thing that Disney is doing for their live action. But when we did the Little Mermaid episode comparing 
the live action to the original animation. We were talking about how all of these Disney remakes haven't been all hits, but they're starting to find the rhythm and find what's working. And I think they're kind of like listening to the people of like what they expected and what they want out of it. Mm. So I'm hopeful for this one, assuming that we're right on them listening and adapting and figuring out what does and doesn't work. So this could be interesting, but I think this will be the test if they actually have their mojo of how to do these live action adaptations. I I think there's two schools of thought on this one. Like when you focus on an animal led Disney movie, it's hard not to think of the lion King and the lion Mm -hmm. King has been one of the most financially successful live action remakes for them, but it was one of my least favorite because it was just that first movie verbatim, but without any of the life. And it just felt like a Mm -hmm. shot, a hollow shell of that original um, lion King on the other side of it. The Jungle Book remains my favorite of these live action remakes. Really? So if, yeah, yeah, I really love that Jungle Book. I thought it was excellent. So, but I will say, as with the case with The Little Mermaid and Aladdin, they both stayed true enough to the original, but added some new things and and mm-hmm. it made it feel worthwhile. So, if Bambi, I, I do think Bambi is a weird choice because that's that's yeah. you know honestly one of the ones I have not seen the most because it has that connotation about just being like a total tearjerker like right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's an interesting choice, but maybe they can you know recontextualize things for a modern audience. And uh, I certainly think it has you know a, a good story to tell in terms of like animal rights. So Guardians did that very successfully mm-hmm. earlier earlier this summer. So uh, we'll just have to wait and see. If they mess up Thumper, we riot. <laughs> yes, yeah. Thumper is the <laughs> one you have to get right. <laughs> one of the big things that we talked about with Lion King specifically was that when that movie came out, there were some people who were reimagined, like because they were so lifelike, I think that's kind of what took people out because there wasn't enough like expression to go off of. Right. And there were some artists who like added just a little a little more like animation to the face to kind of give it that life, give it that expression that it was lacking. And I noticed that in Little Mermaid, they actually did that to Scuttle and Sebastian. Like there there mm. was more looks in the eyes. There was more to be engaged with and intrigued by. So if they're able to do that with Bambi and not give those tiny creepy deer eyes throughout a whole hour and a half, <laughs> two hour movie, then they could be onto something with that. Yeah. Yeah, I will say when I saw the posters for Sebastian, I thought they were terrifying. But once he was in action and moving, yeah. I was like, OK, I, once I adjusted to it, I was like, all right, I'm on. God, board. I love Sebastian in that. Oh, yeah. David Diggs was was the standout. I mean, don't get me wrong. Ariel and Halle Bailey always got to like pause as I say that one and not say Halle Berry. Uh, she yep. was great as well. All right. Uh, moving into more rated R content in the animation realm. Very different (laughs) from Disney. Rick and Morty season seven will be released weekly in September. Their primary voice actor, Justin Roiland is in the process of being recast. Producers believe the transition will be so good. Audiences won't take much notice over on Hulu's solar opposites. Roiland's role as Corvo has reportedly been recast with Dan Stevens of excesses Legion fame. Okay. So I'm going to talk about solar opposites first, because 
of the last couple of years, I've been enjoying Solar Opposites a little bit more than I've been enjoying Rick and Morty. Like I still like Rick and Morty, but I feel like it's run its course a little bit where Solar Opposites felt like a fresher thing. So when, you know, all the accusations and uh, charges against Justin Roiland were ongoing and he was getting fired from all of these, you know, shows that he actively helped co-create and start in, I was a little worried. I mean, obviously I wanted justice to be served, but now we're on the other side of that and he's been, you know, exonerated, but it doesn't seem like that's, that's enough. Like people still came out of the woodwork while he was like, you know, um, in this position of a lot of scrutiny, like people came out of the woodwork to say how difficult he is to work with. And it seems like he soured a lot of relationships. So regardless of the fact that like the criminal courts have found him uh, innocent of any wrongdoing, uh, it seems like people don't want to work with him anymore. And they're more than willing to, you know, take these successful properties and keep going without him. So uh, I think Dan Stevens is a I never, I never could have guessed that. It would have never been on my bingo card, but I love Dan Stevens. So, hmm. if you're going to recast Corvo, Dan Stevens is, an, is a choice that gets me excited. I have no idea what that's going to look like, but I'm excited for it. For Rick and Morty, I, I don't know. I think the producers are maybe being a little too sure of themselves, thinking that audiences aren't going to take too much notice. Because I even remember the social media atmosphere when. Uh, Justin Roiland was still, you know, kind of, uh, we didn't know whether he was guilty or not. And people, people have pretty extreme opinions on both sides of it. So I, I do think there's probably some diehard Roiland fans that are just going to boycott the show because he's not being brought back, but I will tune in just to see what this is going to look like. They're not telling us exactly who's going to be voicing him. Maybe it's going to be one of those situations where every episode they bring in a new voice actor I don't know, but it'll be interesting to see. Maybe it'll uh, rejigger the show and, and give it some fresh blood to where I'm a little more excited to catch it like I was in those first two or three seasons. Roiland's looking at the producers being like, you can put that way up your butt, Morty. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to. Yeah. Somebody from Multiverse News, I can't remember if it was Jay or Ryan, brought up an interesting point that it's like because of this multiversal nature and how quippy and everything this show is, like they could add somebody who doesn't even try to match the voice whatsoever. And it would just make sense. And they would start making jokes on it. Sure. Um, so it's like, I'm interested to see if they take that route and how it turns out, but I'm on the same boat where it's like, I love the first few seasons of Rick and Morty, but it's just kind of like been like, Oh, I just kind of need something to watch for 20 minutes. Oh, there just happens to be a new season as opposed to before when I was like, Oh, I can't wait for a new one to come out. Mm. So I think it is just because everything is so over the top and extreme. Like it got to the point where it's like, it just kind of felt like the standard as opposed sure. to like, you know, mellowing out then having extreme. It's like everything was just extreme. So it's just kind of like, sure. It kind of like died out. So I'm curious to see with all this happening, like what the longevity of the show ends up being after the season. Yeah, it's fair. And how many crazy scientific theories can you really keep up with at this point? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. All right, dude. Summer is here. It's pool season. It's festival season. It's beach season. It's just stand outside and burn your skin off because it's global warming season. <laughs> and what better way to keep hydrated in these tough times than with liquid IV? 
So I've been using Liquid IV for quite a few years now. I was actually telling you off air the first time I ever used it was when you and me were hanging out with the little panda get together in Vegas. So definitely mm-hmm. with that desert heat and, you know, nighttime activities and trying to freshen up in the morning, it made a huge difference in trying to stay hydrated. Yeah, uh, we were out hiking uh, at Fire Rocks in Vegas. And like, that's like the perfect scenario to use liquid IV because it hydrates you two times faster than normal water. It's got five essential vitamins uh, that you need that water doesn't have. And they've got great flavors. But um, it's interesting that that was your first time using liquid IV because my first time using liquid IV was also in Vegas, but it wasn't that time. (laughs) It was at EDC Vegas. uh, So it's festival season as well. Uh, You're going to be out there partying. You're going to be dancing for extremely long periods of time, maybe motivated by some outside factors, you know, whatever floats your boat there. But I can say from firsthand experience that uh, having a camelback on my back, constantly staying hydrated and just dropping that liquid IV in there makes all the difference in the world, Mm -hmm. keeps me dancing longer, keeps me partying (laughs) longer and gets me through those hot afternoons well into the cooler desert nights so if you've got festivals uh plans this season you definitely want to bring some liquid iv along with you yeah and it's really convenient how it just stays in one stick and it has three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks Uh, for me because i'm a real estate photographer i am in the car all the time i can't tell you the amount of flippers and investment properties where they're just like oh yeah we're gonna save on money and not keep the ac on and it ends up being like 90 degrees outside 100 in the house these are lifesavers i am drenched at all times throughout the day there's no question why i went from a polo and dress pants to a t-shirt and swim trunks at work all the time uh i i can't stress enough like how helpful this is in making sure that you stay hydrated and also learning that like Sometimes your body is telling you that you're thirsty, but you feel hungry. So then you start like snacking and munching and Mm. not realizing that your body is actually telling you to drink more water. Having these makes such a big difference and stuff, something like that. If you had a long day, come home, whip out that liquid IV, put it in your blend jet that you got from us, if that helps. (laughs) And, you know, chug that down before a meal. And I, I promise it will help out wonders. Yeah. And even as podcasters, like we have to stay hydrated in order to keep, you know, these dulcet tones sounding uh, as, as nice as they are. We always talk about hydrating and taking bio breaks when it comes to podcasting. But when you feel hydrated, you have more energy and you feel better. And this is a product that can also make you feel better about the impact on the world because Liquid IV believes that equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. And Mm -hmm. they also partner with leading organizations for innovative solutions to help communities protect both their water and their futures. And to date, Liquid IV has donated over 39 million servings in over 50 countries around the world. Yeah, we've been using it for years, even before, you know, this came to us. So what are you guys waiting for? Get 20% off your order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code STAYWELMED at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code STAYWELMED at liquidiv.com. All right. All right. Back to the news now. More news from Netflix. Uh, Netflix dropped the full trailer for the animated feature Nimona, set to debut on June 30th, 2023, and based on the New York Times bestselling graphic novel. The film, starring Riz Ahmed and Chloe Grace Moretz, 
also premiered at the Annexy Film Festival yesterday, uh, Wednesday at the time of this recording, and is receiving overwhelmingly positive reactions from critics. So this wasn't on my radar until we were going through the news just now. and I just happened to watch the trailer right before this. And like, it looks like a really fun movie. I mm-hmm. absolutely love Riz Ahmed. He was the pilot in Rogue One. Yep. And he was the billionaire jerk face in Venom. Yes, He's he was. also a <laughs> incredible musician. He actually raps about like Pakistani activist issues. So like, oh, he's nice. just a really cool dude and a talented actor. So I'm excited to see him in the animated realm. And then on top of that, what they boasted in the trailer was that this is the same creators from Big Hero 6 and Monster University. Uh, Monster yep. University was good, but Big Hero 6 is one of my all-time favorite Disney movies. It was shadowed by Frozen, which I'm still mad about, but like <laughs> great storytelling, great animation, great action, puts you in the feels. So I have hope that this movie is at its worst going to be a great one-time Friday night watch. It's got the arcane art style, which is absolutely beautiful. And yeah, it just looks like it's going to be quick and fun. I'm looking forward to watching this. Yeah, Zuhair, speaking to your beef with Frozen about, you know, overshadowing Big Hero 6, you know, sometimes you just have to let it go. I won't. Let it go. (laughs) Let it go. (laughs) Sorry, I had to. But uh, (laughs) I I agree with what a a lot of what you said there particularly the arcane art style. It definitely reminded me of that just in terms of the aesthetic with like this kind of medieval, but with magic and kind of futuristic technology as well. Mm. Uh, But it's a little more clean, like arcane. I felt like had a lot of like 2d, like hand-drawn elements over top of it where this feels like more just like cell shaded. It kind of reminds me of like legend of Zelda. Actually, Breath of the Wild, but uh, I was even thinking more so of like the Wind Waker, like taking it back to like original cell shading days. But I think it looks action packed and really funny at the same time. And I'm also just glad that we're actually getting this because I did a little bit of research to uh, learn about the film's history. And it was shopped by the rights were shopped uh, for by Big Sky Studios, like all the way back in 2015. And this thing was kind of in development hell for a little while because Disney bought Blue Sky Studios and there was a period of time where this film was canceled. But Mm. now uh, that it, you know, finally is in full swing and going to be out later this week, like I I guess next week it is uh, June 30th. I'm I'm really excited to check this out. Like Netflix has become a streaming service that I kind of tune in and out of only when there's something that really piques my interest. And this has definitely piqued my interest. Yeah, and for the Young Justice fans out there, we get to see a different version of Beast Boy. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Got a shape-shifting main character. That's going to be exciting to see. Definitely. All right. I might butcher some of these names, so I apologize in advance. Fresh off his Oscar win from last year's Pinocchio, director Guillermo, Guillermo. Guillermo del Toro reportedly told Annecy? or Annecy. Annecy? Okay. Reportedly told NXT festival audiences that he only wants to do a couple of more live action movies. And that is his plan to focus solely on animation after that. Yeah, I thought this was, you know, just a a nice thing to hear. Like Guillermo Guillermo del Toro has really, it it is kind of tough to say, but Guillermo (laughs) del Toro has really like come out of the gate swinging as like this advocate for 
animation. And like, I remember when uh, Pinocchio was getting all the buzz that it was like, he came out with quotes, like really like driving home that animation is not just for kids. So knowing that that's his mentality and that he's so passionate and so talented and that uh, like, and don't get me wrong. I've liked a, a number of his live action movies. I really like that first Hellboy. I even like the golden army. I love Pacific Rim. Pan's Labyrinth was like moving. And I, I actually like the shape of water as well. But no, uh, I I think he's got, you know, such an eye, like, and I expect him to really push the envelope, not just in, like, stop motion animation that we've seen a lot from him, but also, like, he's got a bent for, like, horror and monsters and stuff like that. So if he can really unleash his imagination in the animated format, I think it's, it's, it's a win for all of us. Yeah, I'll support anybody that has quotes um, focusing on the importance and the excitement of animation especially with that horror realm, like there's, there's really no limits. It's just like, what can you imagine? So if that's the route that he wants to take, we are a hundred percent for it. Yeah. I want to see him team up with Leica. Leica is that studio that did stuff like Coraline, Kubo and the two strings. Like if those two could like have a happy marriage, like, Ooh, they could do something incredible. Yeah. That could be exciting to see. Mm-hmm. All right. Adult Swim revealed via social media posts that Gendy Tartakovsky's Primal has entered production on its third season. Tell me how excited you are, bud. Yeah, just woo! super excited. <laughs> like, yeah, no, no real details on this one. But uh, Primal has just been one of those shows. I feel like not enough people know about Primal or not enough people have checked it out. But I'm glad that it's been successful enough that it's continuing uh, with a third season it's it's really just a beautiful and action-packed show and it it just sets this atmosphere that's just so like enrapturing it does this thing where like neither of the protagonists have much spoken dialogue at all um it's it, it it just relies so much on its sound design and it really harkens back to like this hand-drawn animation style that is just amazing it's just so good. I'm at a loss for words. Like that's that's how much I'm looking forward to returning to the world of, to the world of Primal. We've got cavemen riding T-Rexes. People, what more do you need? Yes. All right. And uh, moving back over to Disney and Pixar, they released the trailer for. I said that weird. They released the trailer okay. for Elio, an upcoming science fiction animated film set to release March first, two thousand twenty-four. Yeah, it's it kind of dials back to what we said at the top of the episode. Like, I'm looking forward to watching what Pixar has come out with. And I just really hope that this is the turn that they need of, you know, just exciting kids to want to be able to constantly watch Pixar stuff. Yeah, we only got the the little teaser trailer there. And it kind of reminded me the most of Wally in terms of being like, kind of cosmic but the other thing that really stuck out to me is that uh it seemed like there was a lot of representation there not just from like um an ethnicity standpoint but also the main character elio it looks like he's missing an eye and he has an eye patch and i was like wow that's that's pretty cool that you know maybe there are kids um out there for whatever reason may be able to relate to elio in terms of like Maybe they lost an eye for some reason. So they finally get to see one of these like Pixar characters. That's like, they can see themselves in that and like whatever, you know, physical limitations might be there. doesn't uh, keep them from having like these imaginative adventures. So um, it warmed my heart in that regard. Yeah. 
All right, and our final story of the show. My Adventures with Superman, the newest animated series from Warner Brothers Animation and DC, is set to take flight Thursday, July 6th at midnight on Adult Swim and the next day on Max. The official trailer and key art showcase Jack Quaid as the voice of Clark Kent, Alice Lee as the voice of Lois Lane, and Ishmael Said as the voice of Jimmy Olsen. I love this animation style because it looks very anime base like Clark Kent has beautiful eyes and just this one clip that I'm looking at right now (laughs) I'm Andre Sparks you're the guy for this I'm very excited to hear what your thoughts are on this and from all of our listeners like if you have any thoughts on any of the news that we covered please reach out to us do we know if this is like under the James Gunn realm of things or is just something Max has been kind of working on yeah, inconclusive. I, I have to imagine the fact that it's coming out like James Gunn has had some eyes on it and some level of involvement because we know that like he cameoed on Harley Quinn and Harley Quinn is is actively working on a fourth season. I don't think I don't know if we've uh, reported on that on this show, but I know that to be the case. So I have to imagine that he gave the go ahead and some kind of green light on this one. So uh, when we did mention this on Multiverse a couple of weeks ago, I kind of suggested that maybe this will give us some inclination to what the tone of Superman legacy might be. But the other thing about it is uh, it's, it's coming out on adult swim. So yeah, that aspect of it makes me really hope that like, don't get me wrong, invincible is its own thing. But if this can kind of like, you know, knowing that it's focusing on a younger Clark Kent, if it can kind of hit a similar tone to invincible or do some similar things Mm -hmm. to invincible, like, I wouldn't be mad at that at all. I think that would be great. Yeah. And that might be just what some people, I I think there are fewer people out there nowadays that feel like, you know, Superman is like this too good boy scout, goody two shoes that they can't relate to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if there are any of those that are still holding out, like maybe the series can be what, you know, but then they get mad to- when Superman breaks Zod's neck. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's a conversation <laughs> for another podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, yeah you, you took it out of my mouth. I'm excited to see that this actually is an Adult Swim show. I'm awful with names, so see that Jack Quaid is the guy who plays Huey from The Boys is something mm-hmm. that I'm excited to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I think it being on Adult Swim is the biggest factor for me. That's what's That's what's pitching my interest more than anything at this point. So I'll watch the official trailers, give more in-depth thoughts based off of that, but this... This could be interesting if it's writing remotely what we love about Young Justice in terms of the story building and taking the time with it and not being too episodic. They're sure. on a good route. Agreed. Agreed. All right. We're out of stories. So give us a personal story. What do you want to let the people know about going on in the world of zoo? Oh, man. So I went to Awesome Con last weekend and I touched on it a little bit on We've had like five episodes come out this week, so I covered it on something (laughs) that we talked about. Like I said, we are not short of any content, and I'm still making trips to D.C. So it was awesome. We got to sit on a panel. We played. uh, It it was an 18 plus event of um, unfamily family feud. Yeah. And it was just Reed had gone out and asked the questions to the people at the con all day. Uh and had everything compiled into the PowerPoint and everything by the time we got on stage. I wasn't expecting even double digits numbers. So the fact that we had 100, if not more, was awesome. It was a really big venue. 
uh, and sitting up on stage and having the microphone in my face, like I felt like some of the Marvel people when they come up with this nice. time, minus cool. the applause, unless our applause sign was up. <laughs> so that whole interaction is on three two three with Reed Murphy on YouTube, anywhere you find your podcast. And then we did like this. He he has a segment called the the Sunday Hangover. It's typically for sports, but it was basically us doing like an after action report of what we thought of the the convention and sitting and then we covered a couple of segments like Disney had, I don't think Disney released it, but somebody had released like a top 100 Disney songs thing. And it was a bizarre list. Like there was things that we love that didn't even make it. And some that we didn't understand how they were in the top five. Huh? So there was a lot of like yelling at Reed for something he had no control over. It was a fascinating episode and it was just a really, really great weekend just filled with, Awesome cosplays, merch that I wasted way too much money on, and so much beautiful art. Yeah, Disney has no lack of like, you know, really catchy and, and classic songs, but I hope multiple songs from Hercules made it because uh, I Can Go the Distance is one of those songs that like Don't hope too hard. Oh no. Yeah. Really I love I love that song. It just swells check me out up. Just that segment. We threw riots. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. funny because we had to find like a corner at the convention center where we could record and people would like walk over trying to find a place to sit down and we would just be like yelling at each other <laughs> <laughs> and then me and emily like every song that came on the list like we would just start singing it over there it was it was a nice. good time that's great that's great all right uh as for me i want to plug uh one of the shows we did earlier this week we were joined by Haley hobbs from source pages to do a comparison between uh the flash which is now in theaters with 2013's justice league the flashpoint paradox that was a a fun conversation a cool conversation being able to compare these two uh versions of the flashpoint story um other than that uh multiverse news is still going strong and uh why am i flubbing right now but uh bingers assemble lots yeah. of <laughs> lots of good content coming out on bingers assemble so be it uh, indiana jones be it mission impossible be at the flash uh, check out everything that's going on over there. And if you like what we're doing here, give us some love, give us a review, give us five stars and share us with an animation lover in your life. Thanks for listening and for tuning in. That's T O N I N. And as always stay whelmed. Thank you for listening to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, a proud member of the Stranded Panda Network. If you would like to contact us, you can email animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at animationdelib1. For this and other great shows, you can visit strandedpanda.com or join the great community that is the Stranded Panda Chat Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash svchat. Tune in next time, and remember, stay whelmed. <laughs>